Gene and Roger is the story of the two most powerful, influential movie critics of their time, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. You can find Gene and Roger on the Big Picture feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a quick trailer. It seemed like a crazy idea for a TV show. Take two rivals and let them duke it out about movies. But Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert quickly became the most popular film critics in the country. Millions of viewers tuned in to see whether they vote thumbs up or thumbs down. This is the story of two unlikely superstars who changed the way we argue. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Brian Raftery, and this is Gene and Roger. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the final entry in the Evangelion Rebuild movie series, this see how you can't title. even say it like you know it's <laughs> like, like see, how, see how you can't even like do a top line that's that's not complicated like I it's know, well it's because trying, the title of the movie is Evangelion yeah, it is 3.0 Evangelion plus, plus 1.0 colon thrice upon a time uh, basically, the the, the 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 conclusion of a process that began 14 years ago of series creator Hideaki Anno, um, basically trying to give uh, the original Evangelion series a proper ending. Um, because should I just should I just say this here? Because like when the the the, the anime was being produced by Gainax in the nineties, they essentially just ran out of money, which is why there's so many like repeated in- images and everything else from episode seventeen on. Um, well, let's 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 unpack that a bit. There's that is the general mythology of the original TV series, right? There, there's mm-hmm. definitely the part about like animation is really hard and expensive to make on the TV timetables. I do think a lot of the original ending of the original TV series is just it, that it's a creative choices, right? And there's always mm-hmm. a mixture of creative choices and contingency. And who can say really which is the dominant force and why the original Evangelion TV show ends with MS Paint sketches. <laughs> Depends upon like <laughs> who you ask yeah, I mean, <laughs> and how they feel about you know exactly how meta they want to get about uh, about the conclusion of the series. Yes, you know but, what is being communicated. But we should, for listeners up top, this this podcast that you're listening to right now, sound only, is itself originally an Evangelion recap podcast. It's named. An homage to Evangelion. Um, you know, to what Michael was saying, I would say the end of Evangelion, which we also covered, is the last episode mm-hmm. of our original run, right? Like that, that's the thing, that's the movie I think of as 
Anno's grudging attempt to give the original series a a proper conclusion, a blockbuster conclusion, as opposed to a uh, mind screw vanishing act, such as was the yeah. TV finale, right? So the rebuild series, and I again, we can unpack this. The rebuild series, I think, is more so Anno's attempt to do two things. One, figure out like what the proper next step for him is in the world of anime, considering he made one of the sort of biggest, most influential things of like his generation. Right. I think of rebuild more so as Anno giving new life to this series um, or trying to give new life to this series, trying to in the beginning, I don't know that I even thought of it as him trying to remake Evangelion. In the beginning, in Ava 1.0, I thought it was more like a remastering. Because that's what the first movie in this reboot yeah, series looks like. Yeah. It's like a remastering. Yeah, there is... I mean, like this is also like a thing that happens with the Gundam series a lot. I think that the, the beginning or like a concise retelling of the beginning of the Gundam story has been made into a movie or a sub-series so many different times at this point. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, that's also just something that happens when a series becomes popular or gains, you know, uh, I mean, like, I don't know, gains, gains popularity in, I guess, like, an unexpected way over time. And they're just kind of like, all right, well, we have better technology and they're still interested in this. Let's retell the story by grouping all the episodes one through 10 into a movie, which is, I, I think that, like, I don't know if there's like a name for that, but that's a familiar phenomenon, right? To you? Yes. And in fact, I'm glad though you brought up Gundam specifically as the way for talking about this, because again, I'm, I'm the one of us who's largely unfamiliar with Gundam, right? And while watching this movie, 3.0 plus 1.0, thrice upon a time, I kept getting the sense that and, and retroactively looking back on the, the previous movie, 3.33, as like, oh, is this Hideaki Anno trying, like, this time around making Ava a proper mech series? Because I definitely think 3.3 and then this finale movie that just came out in North America, right? The action is so different from the original Ava. And the, there's more of a sense of cartoon action ecstasy that's still very artful but it's it's just orgasmic and consistent yeah. in a way that is not what the original series was about per se yeah like I'm, th I'm thinking like back to when Shinji like first pilots unit one like in the series mm -hmm. and thinking about like the music and like the framing of it the fact that when it goes berserk, like it, it's it's like a cause for concern. It doesn't feel awesome. Like the, uh, I, I think it's just like you know Hideaki Anno is more attuned to the human cost of the on the ground. Uh, in like you know the uh, what is it? Is it is it tong? It's not tonkatsu because that's pork. But there's there's a uh, there's like whatever it is. <laughs> Wait, that wait, is, it's, we're gonna see something. We're not editing out that. You 
we're not editing out that I just said that because I mean because it starts with a T and, I, and it tip. has a I'm K in it and it, it ends with a U and I know what it's called, Tukasatsu, but I can't remember. I is the term? <laughs> okay, thank Tukasatsu. you, thank you very yes. much. I listen, man. All right, I tried. I reached for it and I and I couldn't scrape it, and that's why you're there to catch me. <sighs> the uh, but anyway. Um, the, the 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 combat in Thrice Upon a Time, by contrast, is like much more. I think the word I texted you was delirious. Like, yeah, the spinning yeah, yes. arm Gatling gun thing in the beginning, and even like the the like outpouring of like Ava like robots from Nerv HQ towards the end. You know, like these yeah. are things that feel. Um, I mean, like it's just for the, for Christ's sakes, the top of the Eiffel Tower became a weapon <laughs> in the <laughs> yeah. first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you text, yeah, me, you I, like it definitely too, is. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but those, like, it's the the things that I that, that I was more impressed by, rather than like those big displays of orgasmic violence and whatever are like the quieter moments that happen during like the middle third of the movie. Um, it's just like, I guess the, like the thematic overlay of it would be like, we're reminding our principal characters what they're fighting for, or like the life that they might've had if things were, you know, simpler and less harsh. If conditions, if conditions were less harsh, they didn't have to get back in the, these robots to save the world. They could, you know, take time to skip rocks by a stream and pre- plant seedlings and, you know, laugh with the village people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, like, it's even things like just, uh, you remember the scene where Shinji and Kinsuke were like walking uphill. Yeah. And like the way that the the grab like like their heels dig into the gravel and the way that they try to shift their weight to gain balance as they go upward, all those notes are in the animation, and it's more impressive than like any of the big, you know, robot fights. Yeah, I will say all of the moments we can get to. I think delir- I think uh, delirious is the thing we're gonna come back to. Because I think it's an important yeah. factor in these movies. But yeah, all of the to your point, all the the moments of this movie where I thought, God, this animation and this, uh, the camera work is just so beautiful is that so stuff in the good. village. It's the stuff yeah. in the village. It's this, it's like yeah. the moment when we don't have to get in a specific moment yet, but it's just like, you're right. It's all the care. It's like two characters in a scene. All of that animation and camera work is just impeccable. That said, yeah. we are talking about a series spun off from another series we're going to talk about 3.0 plus 1.0, the movie. I think first we need to, in record speed, just sort of get everyone up to speed in what happened in 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I feel like I can do this relatively quickly. Give me a shot. Let me see if I leave anything out that's too glaring. But, you know, it's like first rebuild movie. What happens? Well, mostly the same thing that happens in the beginning of the TV show. Meet Shinji Akari. He's kind of, you know... He's a wimp. He has a terrible relationship with his father. He doesn't want to get in the Ava, doesn't want to fight the angels. Uh, and then you have Asuka and Ray, the other pilots who also are tasked with piloting the Evangelions. 
Um, the characters are a bit more understated this time around going into Evangelion 2, uh, the second rebuild movie, where, you know, you have a lot of the, you have a lot of the let's hang out at Masato's apartment and bicker with each other stuff. It's a lot more downplayed. The The whole Asuka Shinji romance from the TV show is, is, is very much castrated in the second rebuild movie. Um, there's some tension there, but it's it's not nearly as elaborated as it is in the original TV show. And then Ray has the beautiful arc in that movie. I remember where she is gonna cook for everyone in Masato's apartment. <laughs> like Ray, the vegetarian clone girl, is gonna cook dinner. Yeah, and then who, it gets who solely eats freeze dried rations. Yeah, at other times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that gets cut short by tragedy. Um, and, and the second movie ends with uh, the big divergence from the original series, which is Shinji himself triggering third impact. Um, near third impact. Near third, whatever. Okay, this is another confusing thing is that there are several okay, listen, impacts I, now. Like, there are too many it's, impacts. It's, there's, there's so many impacts <laughs> yeah. and it, it feels unfair yeah. for there to be like a near impact yeah. included among them. Yes. Okay, because the effects are more or less the same. It's just that like most of the people are dead. Not everyone's dead. Most of the people are dead and the planet is tainted blood red. The, co- the surface of the, the planet. Yes. Oh, I've also skipped over the fact that Kaoru, a character who is famously introduced in one of the final episodes of the TV series in the original run, introduced much earlier uh, in the rebuild movies. Um, but again, second movie ends with, with Shinji basically destroying the world. Um, that's big divergence. Then you get to Ava 3. And Ava 3's movie where Shinji wakes up. He's on a big warship. He's with Masato, he's with Asuka. Asuka has an eye patch. She looks like Big Boss. Uh, and everyone hates his guts. And where the through line of the original TV series was, Shinji, you must pilot the Ava. The through line of the third Ava rebuild movie is, Shinji, you are not allowed to get anywhere near an Ava. In fact, we've put a collar around your neck. If you try to get in an Ava, it will blow your head off. Shinji, you must not pilot the Ava. Uh, and then he ultimately talks to Kaoru and they play the piano and he pilots an Ava and Kaoru's the one who gets his head blown off in that movie. And, you know, you get the sort of seeds of the new conflict in this series, which instead of it being like Nerve and Gendo trying to start like the apocalypse and their main antagonist being the shadowy organization Sele. Now the conflict is basically, basically to boil it down, is Se- is is Gendo and Fuski right, working with Sele on the one side, and then Masato and Ritsuko and Asuka, with their sort of splinter faction called Villa, uh, and they're basically you know <laughs> Villa <laughs> Villa. Um, and they have their giant well, I didn't know that it was like, you know, that it had like the the, yeah. like the German pronunciation with the, with the V. Yeah. yeah. It's spelled like Willy for those Willy. of you it's that big like, Willy. You know, That's the thing they should have called it's it Big that. Willy. It's Big <laughs> Willy style. This is because, yeah, it's 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 Willy. Willy, the, res, the, the resistance, Masada the Joes, said, the easy I company. Give me one of these. Um. <laughs> Ooh. Who you say get that to you? Ooh, they got you. That the, but yeah, the, um, yeah. 
this is Willie is composed of, you know, ragtag lunch pail hopers and dreamers and also people that defected from there when they realized that Gendo and Fusuki were crazy. Yeah. Yes. Um, so now it's like you have these characters who were all, they were kind of in the same boat, but low-key backstabbing each other in the original show. Now they're in open conflict, right? Villa versus Sele slash Nerve, right? Um, and yeah, so you get to the fourth movie and Shinji in the fourth movie, right? He's doing the thing he does in the beginning of it, in the end of Evangelion, where, and I, I don't know a protagonist in any other thing who, whose signature moves. He's just sulking, man. He just, he doesn't just sulk. He, he is the only protagonist I can think of where his signature move is he sits and refuses to say or do anything for, for 30 vomits. minutes. <laughs> And then he vomits. sees Oscar yeah. and vomits at her. <laughs> he vomits into his hand the moment he sees like a choker on Oscar's neck. I, it's crazy. Yeah. Um. um. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Shinji, like, like at the beginning of any like Evangelion thing, spends a lot of time, you know, being caught between, you know, not wanting to live and. You know, not actually being able to die. Yeah. Um, just kind of like beating himself up because, you know, this is all my fault and everything I do turns out bad and nobody likes me. And, uh, and it goes on for a very long time. Yes. Yes. And part of why I wanted us to set up what happened in the previous three movies before sort of getting into this newest movie, right, is because, you know, we covered the original TV series in depth. We covered the movie, End of Evangelion, in depth. And one thing I think it's fascinating is that we I th we talked probably for four hours. We didn't publish all four hours. We talked probably four hours about End of Evangelion, right? If you, if you try to just simply relate, like, what is Gendo trying to do in that movie versus what is Sele trying to do in that movie? What... What are the competing visions for the human instrumentality project? It's actually kind of ambiguous. It's very hard to say. It's not spelled out very well what the difference is between what Sele wants to do versus what Gendo wants to do versus what Shinji ultimately accepts and rejects about those two respective things. It all kind of blends together into this orgasmic, sacrilegious, you know, 40-minute sequence where... Uh, Shinji exterminates humanity and reduces everybody into high C uh, and then changes his mind and undoes it. Right? Yeah. But yeah. it's not explained that well, whereas I feel like this movie is more so... Like, the Rebo movies I mean, like, are super really, chaotic. You can get a sense... You can get a sense of watching this movie that, like, really, you know, despite there being all of these acronyms and crazy terminology floating around this... Gendo misses his wife. Yeah, yeah. And, and the movie and makes is, him come and out like, and just be like, I miss my wife. And just the be like, hey, is like, I miss my wife. I miss my <laughs> wife, okay? I miss my wife. <laughs> yeah. Miss my There's a, this, it's, he, he, yeah, the movie just kind of like makes him come out and say it. And, you know, it gets like, you know, probably the way that it proceeds is that there is this large 
interconnecting political, geopolitical conflict going on in the first hour. And in the middle, it comes yeah. to like, you know, we realize that the, 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 the antagonist, but really what we're fighting against is the idea that, you know, humans are perfected in death. And then at the, the, by the end, you're just kind of like, oh, this guy just misses his wife, you know, yeah. and doesn't yeah. really know how to cope. Yeah. Other it's than the like fact that destroying an, all of humanity and he has the, the, the means to. And it's like the end of Evangelion does that too in the final moments before Able Unit 1 bites Gendo's head off, right? It, it sort of gives him that soft moment of he's talking to Yui in this this dream dreamy sequence. Mm-hmm. But this movie is much more sh- consistent about it, about being like, this is what Gendo is trying to do. He says it in a much more straightforward way. He says it to Shinji's face. I think that's one thing that's very clarifying about this movie compared to other Ava stuff. I also think that making the dynamic into Gendo versus Masato and then Gendo versus Shinji, that's just such a clarifying contrast. Whereas in End of Ava, right, it's sort of all of the characters are fighting each other, but really they're all fighting the the United Nations, right? And it's, it's, again, the battle lines are a lot less clear because you have the war against the angels, the war against Sele. It, the conflict is so overpopulated. Whereas I think this movie does kind of devolve into a good versus evil showdown um, in a way that I think helps it. Because, again, these movies, yeah. by now, especially well, movie I mean, like, four, there's so much lore. It, yeah, there's there's like... There's more room for there to like for for the emotions of the movie to breathe, I guess. Yeah, let let's breathe ourselves. We we're gonna take yeah. a break. We're gonna take a break, and we'll come back and we'll talk a bit about the conflict in this movie, and I guess like I, the differences in like the language and the grammar and the emotional texture of the rebuild movies compared to the original Evangelion, because I think there are huge differences there. Micah, can we talk about Delirious again? Because the opening of the movie is is that. The opening of the movie begins with a character who we need to talk about because they're a character we've never talked about on this podcast before because they're unique to the Rebuild series. Mari oh, yeah. Illustrious. Mari. Mari yes. Illustrious McCombie. Yeah, the, 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 the self... What does she? What does she say? It's just like who? Think about it. Think about who you saw on the roof. Glasses, big boobs. Um, yeah, she. There is. She's. Uh, she's. She's a piece of work. Uh, but yeah, like, <laughs> where to begin with Mark? She's a Reddit seductress, is what I would describe her as. She has like a weird <laughs> incel energy to her, while also trying to have a sex appeal to her. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's just very much like very disagreeable. Very, very loudly pronouncing. You know, I'm a sexual being in every scene that she's in. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like uh, I don't know. She like every other character has a very intense attachment to Shinji. I think a lot of people through the course of the rebuild movies, because Mari is this original character. She, she's, feels like they're always, feels like Anno is always shrouding her in obnoxious misdirection, right? And it's easy to get to the third movie and go, hi, I'm sorry, I don't know that this character has had any character development and I'm not quite sure what the point of her is, other than to just be 
the new kid who no one wants to hang out with in these movies. Um, and that's one interpretation I think of Mari. But because of how you described a lot of the action in this movie, and the fact that I would also describe a lot of the action in the third movie, the movie before this, as delirious, I actually feel like that's kind of the whole point of Mari. Like, no one in these movies does delirious action, you know... 360 degree four dimensional Gatling gun acrobatics like Mari does. And so she's kind of a dumb character, but she's kind of dumb in a dimension that is unique to the rebuild movies. I think just on a like anime action perspective. Is that, I don't know. What do you think of Mari? No, I mean, like, I think it's sort of, the the uncharitable way of describing it is just like I feel like Mari's a studio note. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like kind of she's specifically there to introduce an element of levity and like you know bombast where the where like you know the original Evangelion series like was quieter and made more time for like brooding and like cicadas and shit. Yeah. Like this is <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah, like she's she's loud and colorful. Yeah. And it's funny because this movie does more with her than the movies before. But then this movie also has her doing things like boob jokes, you know, that kind of just yeah. emphasize that studio note quality. So I don't know. It's like this movie is simultaneously Otto's attempt to finally rehabilitate this new character, Mari but then also continues to undermine her at every turn. Um, but I think she is at least useful in the beginning when, again, she sort of... This movie opens like a Bond movie. Like, it just has this set piece in the yeah. beginning that does not feel relevant it's to the rest like of the movie opens, at all. It's more like it opens like a Mission Impossible movie. Okay, that's it. Like, yeah, it's because it's again, yeah, yeah, the, right. the top of the Eiffel Tower is a weapon. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Mari doing, you know... And it's funny, too, because it's Mari doing she's fighting a horde right and this has happened before like i don't know in end of evangelion when oscar fights the ava series that's sort of the closest you get to a moment where an ava pilot has to fight multiple enemies and even that is pretty that feels like a very intimate encounter because that i don't know it's she's outmatched but it's still a reasonable fight right on screen you can sort of contain the entire fight in a wide shot Whereas the fights in the yeah. the rebuild movies are so big, it's like somebody poured it all the Legos. It feels like the enemy is just, you know, rather it, than sending waves, is just sending explosions to happen on screen around, yeah. like, the characters. They look cool. Yes. And it feels very um, uneva. I think for better and worse, those kind of sequences, yeah. like, and that's true of, of of things like the intro sequence to this movie, but it's also true of even the angels themselves in Rebuild, right? Like, the angels aren't really important in the same way. In the original series, the angels weren't just... And, like, on some level, sure, they're the monster of the week, right? But over time in the original series, it, the sequence of the angels matters, right? And you you sort of think of each progression of the angels as, like, a very distinct phase of the show. That's not really true with the Rebuild movies, I think in the Rebuild movies, a lot of things feel more like... I think the angels in the first half of Rebuild feel more like their sequence doesn't matter. And then later in the series, there's a lot of trash mobs, 
you know? There's a lot of, lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. Trash, trash. <laughs> There's a lot of like, you know, bulbous, winged flying things and, you know, just grunts that you got to clear out normally. Like, it's yes. not like um, they don't have names like Sahiquel or whatever, or, Sa- yes. or whatever the hell the, the angels' names used to be. Uh, or maybe they do, yeah. but they just don't um, matter, right? You hear Masato like say, uh, a des- she'll yell out a designation, but the designation doesn't matter. All that stuff is a bit more. That's rushed, that's right? exactly that's what it is. Is that it's a designation instead of like a name. Like yeah. this is they're not like because each of the, the the angels in the first series felt like kaiju. Um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And these the 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 angels in the Reba movies gradually begin to feel like, like I said, like stuff that you got it like. Just fodder. I yeah. don't know. Cannon fodder. Yeah. Uh, and I, I do think that, I don't know, describing trash mobs or cannon fodder can seem like it's maybe denigrating in a way that I don't even, I don't mean it to be, right? I actually think it they're really great sequences. Like they're good sequences, but like what we're saying is that like when the most impressive thing, when you've, when you're on the other side of like seeing uh, specifically how the water shimmers and runs between rocks and a stream and, you know, what it looks like when a seedling is planted in a rice paddy or whatever, going to this feels sort of like obligatory, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Where it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's right. We're still making a mech movie. So we got to have, like, the CGI fight. Yes. Uh, I will say that I think it at least is... I I think a lot of people dislike the third movie. And the third movie feels... With the exception of the middle stuff with Kaoru playing the piano with Shinji under the sky, right? That movie feels so CG action heavy so immediately. I... I think a lot of people were put off by it. I think this movie blends together much better than that movie did because you go from that, again, Mission Impossible intro sequence with Mari and you very quickly get to the more textured, humanistic, you know, here people in a village on the outskirts of Tokyo 3. All these years have passed uh, in Ava 3. And now you, you've already caught up with and the this age is how of they learn to love what survived. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's also Shinji's it's, like seeing characters he hasn't seen in a while, like Toji yeah. Suzuhara, like Kinsuke, like Class Rep. Um, and these people are old and they got real jobs now. And also they made and babies cute. Yeah. Yeah. Like they made Kinsuke cute and now he wears Patagonia. And looks like he like wears cologne, you know. And he looked like a dweeb in the original show, but now he got a little, you know, white boy got a little swag, right? <laughs> um, and then Toji Suzuhara, meathead, right, is a doctor now. Is I and the most loving, gen- yeah. gentle, Bedside generous. Like, I mean, it's it's like, what happened? Whoa, you know? People change. We all Time grow passes. up. People change. He marries class rep. They have a baby. It's a cute baby. It's um, a cute baby. 
you know? He's got yes. little cute little pinchable cheeks and whatnot. Yes. Um, and at this point in the movie, it's like in Ava 3, you know, Villa, Asuka, Ray, they they go through all this tumult and they're finally back together and they've they've broken free of Gendo. And they're sort of in this movie, they're wandering together in this village. They still haven't fully reconciled. Ray is going through this identity crisis. She's not at nerve anymore. She's not living in the basement in her weed tent. You know, just sort of being naked all the time because she's a clone and she don't know nobody. She don't know how to act. She's in this village. She's learning how to grow rice. She is she is cuddling a baby. There is a moment in this movie where Ray Ayanami looks at a baby and says, "This is cute," and it is the it is the second best <laughs> moment of this movie. Even it though it feels kind of like fan service, it is also incredible. Moment. Yeah. Um. Meanwhile, you have Oscar. Asuka wearing no, she's she's dressed like Eli in Metal Gear Solid Five for some reason. No, she just she's dressed not, like she's Eli like in a, the Book of Eli. <laughs> various Eli. Yeah, she's got a Nintendo DS which she has hacked and modded for some reason to play old Atari games. She only plays this one. She couldn't play Hotline Miami on that thing. I don't know. Uh, she and Shinji have their classic sort of idiot Shinji. Shinji she on the switch play Contra. Yeah. Right. Why don't you talk? Shin, Shin, why don't right. you, you know, right. and, you know, it's basically the same thing that always happens with Asuka is that, like, she doesn't process emotions as anything other than either anger or frustration. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it's weird though because I I think this is actually the most sophisticated part of the movie in in some ways because they they're trying to do this thing where Asuka, whenever Shinji's not actually in the room and maybe maybe Asuka's talking to Kensuke, maybe Asuka's talking to to Ray, she's sort of saying, "Look, like I know Shinji's going through it. We're all going through it. Like I I hope he sort of comes around. So like I understand that after a point, I'm gonna have to get all this. I'm gonna have to blow all the steam off." Um, and that's like, she usually in the original series and in other iterations of her character is not good at acknowledging the limits of her behavior. And here in this movie, she acknowledges that she's just kind of blowing off steam and just wants to bully Shinji to get it out of her system because she's still a little mad at him for near third impact or whatever we're going to call it. I think the most beautiful moment in the movie is it's kind of flipping the scene from End of Evangelion where... Shinji and his his subconscious flips the coffee table in Masato's apartment and strangles Asuka to death, right? It's it's like mm-hmm. Shinji is sort of on a hunger strike. He's on one of his little petulant hunger strikes. And Asuka confronts him in a room in, I think it's Kinsuke's apartment in the village and tackles yeah, him yeah, yeah. and grabs Literally a bowl of tofu. flips him over and stuffs a rice crispy down his throat like listen it, it's you get, it's like, like it's, it's like she's <laughs> punches yeah it's like mouth. it is yeah yes because she's just like listen i have had it it up to here with all of this yeah. like you know self-pitying that you're doing and it's just like you don't do anything because you're afraid of getting hurt and it's just like well everybody bleeds and you know you gotta eat something or else you're gonna die yeah yeah, and it's like the camera work in that scene too. Everything about that scene, it's she doesn't just like force feed him. It, it's like a minute. It's a solid minute of 
Oscar just wailing on this dude's face, shoving tofu into his mouth, and the camera kind of rocking along with her body blows. And yeah. is tight. Is tight. It's some of the best animation that has happened in the series in general, I think. Um, and again, it's 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 a it's this tight, intimate moment with two characters. It is not one of the big blockbuster Mari action sequences. And I think that's a general theme in this movie. A lot of the best animation in this movie, a lot of the part where you're like, wow, they spared no expense. To me, are these little moments like the moment where Asuka force feeds Shinji. And yeah. it's just some raw character stuff, you know? Yeah. I like I dare say I think that that, that was the scene of the movie. Um I don't know. I mean, because it's just like, this is what you've been wanting to do to Shinji for like 45 minutes by the time it happens also. On some level, you could go, okay, but didn't we already do this? Didn't we already do this in End of Evangelion with Masato dragging Shinji around the parking garage of Nerve HQ as it's being invaded? Shinji with his his AirPods in... (laughs) Refusing to get up, refusing to talk, refusing to pilot the Ava. And I think this time, again, it feels like the main difference, right? I think a lot about with the Rebuild movies, I guess my big theory about them is that I think the entire basis for them is actually Masato's speech to Shinji in End of Evangelion, where she's like, you're out of time. Like, the world is ending now. You have to get in the Ava. Asuka's dying. All of the stuff we've talked about through the series about how you need to make your own decisions and you need to fight with, for whatever you, you believe in, even if I don't agree with that decision, the time for that is up because you haven't figured out what you wanted to do. You, you don't have any healthy relationships. So withstanding all that, you just need to do what I tell you. I feel like the Rebuild movies are the alternate path where Shinji actually does sort of find his way into the company of other people. Right. And so I think it, I think those moments matter a lot more in this, where you have Asuka wailing on Shinji, but also kind of privately admitting that she's trying to steal herself to finally sort of be open to this person once again, or maybe be open to him really for the first time in her life. Um, I don't know. There's like an emotional valence there that I think is actually really cool, even though it's not always the central focus of this, this rebuild series. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it feels more, it's a, it's a more hopeful retelling of a story about, about, uh, about healing and growing. Um, and that it's not all painful and like that there is, uh, that, that, that there's beauty in slowing down and that there's like comfort to be found in just kind of like allowing people to help you. Like this is things that like Shinji comes to realize on his own throughout like the movie. Um, and it feels like that wasn't a thing that you got in the, in the, in the original series. It's just kind of like, uh, this weird sort of the, the, um, dissociation that happens and then acceptance. Yeah. 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 And I think the, the, the most succinct version of that, right. 
of that contrast is that um, in the original series, Shinji wants to be alone. And whenever he's posing the question, why don't you people just leave me alone? The answer is because they need him. Whereas there's the scene in this movie in the village where Shinji keeps trying to be alone, right? He goes off into his corner and he, he curls into fetal position and Ray intrudes on him. And Shinji does the thing where he says, why do you keep bothering why me? Why is everybody she, being nice to me? Right. Yeah. And she says, in, in this case, she says, because we like you. It's not because they need him. It's because they like him. And that, to me, is where you get the radically different valence for, for this series compared to the original series. Um, there's more room for Shinji to genuinely, not under the gun, right? Not with, like, Masato figuratively holding a gun to his head and his father holding a second gun to his head saying, make a decision that he doesn't really have the power to make. Here, there's more of a sense of, I don't know, man, do whatever. Like, Masato is leading the charge here. Like, you can... You know, even characters like Kensuke tell him that. They they tell him things like, listen, man, at this point in your life, you fought for all of us. Realistically, you should be able to do whatever you want. Like, go 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 grab some rice and, and mod you a DS and play some, some Contra with, with Asuka. You know, do whatever. It's escapism in a weird way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um... But then I don't know what else happens in this movie. Like it's all you you have this you have this very peaceful village slice of life life bit where you're catching up with Kinsuke, Toji, class rep. Uh, but it's really sort of all Masato Gendo biding time for like the big final confrontation between Villa yeah. and Sele. Uh, and then we go back to like big ecstatic, incomprehensible action sequences that are tight, but also nonetheless incomprehensible <laughs> to me, personally. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about these, these bits of the movie? Like the, again, the final, the, like the assault on... The final on, bits of the, like the, the, the final, it's like I told you, like, um, where you're getting the sense that you're watching sort of um, the live action drama around what are what happens, you know, when the fighting stops, or when you know what happens when these people go home. What do they take with them? And then it goes back to being, you know, we're making this big budget conclusion to a mech series, which is like you know, it's beautiful in its own right. But like, you know, by rights, the character should have been able to stay in the village outside of Tokyo Three forever. And that sort of feeling like seems to like inform the se- the last action sequence, if you get what I'm yeah. saying. Like it yeah. feels as though like, <sighs> all right, well, I guess we're gonna do all this stuff with the spears and the and the ray types and the whatever. <laughs> there are again, six you know? different spears, dog. No, <laughs> yeah, the ray yeah. types, the spears. It's, yeah. Um. Yeah, like it's not to say that it undercuts or whatever. It's just like, you know, you got to have this. Yeah, I think it mostly works through contrast, though, right? Because what originally is set up as a battle of wits, there's like two battles of wits that the movie converges on. You have the battle of wits between Masato and Fuyutsuki, right? Fuyutsuki acting as Gendo's reluctant, 
you could tell Fuski's over this shit. Just like Gendo lost his mind a long time ago. He's my homie. I'm, you know, I'm second in command. Like I'm a, I'm a lead the troops, you know. And so it's again, it's like it's Masato versus Fuski on that one level. But then you get the real matchup of this movie, which is Gendo versus Shinji, right? And Gendo specifically, there's an actual Ava fight. <laughs> and I forget the numberings. Because again, the, the, it feels like all the Ava numberings break down in the rebuild movies. But you have the unit one. You have, you have Shinji's Ava. And then you have Gendo with an Ava that looks like Shinji's Ava, but has a different lance. I think he's, he has the lance of Longinus or something. And it's, it's yeah, Shinji versus about, like, Gendo. Yeah, the rebuild movies see, like, um, going back to that thing about how, like, we were talking about there's a lot of cannon fodder and trash mobs in this movie. Yeah. Um, the rebuild movies, like, create a sense of, like, scale in that, like, say, for instance, like, the Vatican Treaty about how, like, no country can have more than three Avas at a time, which is something that you had, like, cursory knowledge of in the original series, but, like, in the Rebuild movies and in Thrice Upon a Time, you get the sense, along with, like, the numbering, that there are a lot more Avas than you've seen, I guess. Yeah. It's doing the Metal Gear Solid 4 thing of, like, oh, well, not everybody has a Metal Gear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Costa Rica has a Metal Gear now. Like, we got out of control at some point in human history. Uh, Nebraska has a Metal Gear. It, we all great. the way gone. It's crazy. Uh, but I. But this is where I actually think the the again the peacefulness of the gave village. Never is no defense funds. <laughs> Should have cut y'all budget. Um, yeah, the sense in which all of the characters in the village lure Shinji out of his shell in this very rural setting where he gets to, he, he finally gets to chill out. Like he, he has an actually pleasant series of exchanges with Ray where he seems like a normal, well-adjusted human boy. Now, admittedly, that exchange is punctuated by Ray's head being blown off by an explosive choker around her neck. But let's set that aside for a second. And it's just to say that you go from the village and then you go to this big action sequence where Gendo sort of setting up this confrontation with his son says stuff like, this is our conflict cannot be resolved by violence. And Shinji's like, yeah, bro, you're right. Actually, I, you know what? Let's talk. Let's talk. And he has this kind of confidence where he can actually step, he can put down the spear and step to his dad. And he turns, the, this is like the best part of the movie for real though. It's like, he basically is turning the table, right? All of the sort of train sequences, the introspection, all of those signature sequences from the original series, it, Shinji basically inflicts on Gendo, right? And he kind of reduces Gendo to being that infantilized, paranoid voiceover explaining why he's so angry and so self-destructive and why he hurts everyone around him. And it's just a man talking about how much he loves his wife. Well, no, first it's talking about his childhood and how he hated going over to other kids' houses. And the only thing he liked was the piano. Because when you strike a note on the piano, that, that, that vibration, that is science. <laughs> it, you, you tune it and you play it 
and you get the note that you deserve. And that's why Gendo likes the piano and he doesn't like people and he especially doesn't like children because he can't control them. And Yui is the only person in his life where he was like, damn, being around other people is actually kind of tight. And then his wife dies and then he goes crazy. But you have the, you have again, all the stuff that Shinji goes through is like condensed into this weird sequence where Gendo is like an infant and Shinji's just standing in the background like a psychiatrist, like, mm, say more about that. Oh, wow, dad, that's interesting. Could you unpack that for me? And it's this, it's this beautiful role reversal. It's done in this visual style that's clear. It's just like a series of homages to the original series, right? And to End of Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it abstracts away all the violence, right? It, it's sort of... And I don't know, it almost makes all of that violence that much more worthwhile in retrospect, right? Because it's, it's not the movie being stupid. It's not the movie being like, okay, how do we make a big flashy thing? Because that's what everyone wants. I think this movie actually has a really good, again, unlike the third movie. I think this movie has a very good sense of the proportion and the way in which violence and exposition, like, you know, trippy, psychedelic exposition mm-hmm. have to reinforce each other to be the thing that we we all know Evangelion to be. I actually don't have anything to add to that because, I mean, like, that was fairly concise. I mean... You don't but want to yeah, talk about like Mari does, breaking out a saw at least? You had to double blade? I mean, like, we could talk about Mari breaking out a saw if we want. Wait, you know? was that Mari or Asuka? Uh, I forget, because they're both doing crazy shit during the invasion. Asuka's, like, you know, pulling, uh, you know... Angel blood? Uh, the MIB mind phaser out of her eye. Yes! Like, and, and turning into an angel and shit. Like, it's just... But yeah, I mean, like, it is kind of even the conversation that Shinji and, and you know are having is like an homage to just the fact that like the yeah the, the the therapy session that is the final two episodes of like of of Evangelion yeah but having him be the like you know having him in a place of like repose and and like confidence and whatever it like provides people that like kind of felt uncomfortable watching Shinji or like having the heat of embarrassment on your face as like he kind of refuses to get out of bed and rejoin the world because one bad thing happened. Yeah. There's like closure in this in this movie for that because like it's just like yeah eventually you can have uh, both vulnerability and control. Yeah. And you can stomp out your father and that's what gives you access to that balance. Yeah. Stomp out your father on live <laughs> television. <laughs> In the climactic event of humanity's existence. Um, yeah, I I think back, because again, I um it's interesting to me to consider the fact, right, of like the original Ava TV series has this advantage of being a TV series, which means that you get 26 episodes. They run in their format. They're close together. These rebuild movies, they're made over a long period of time, which means that like things change between the production of these movies in a really substantial way. It's not like the passage of a week between episodes of television, right? And so sometimes these movies can feel like each of them has a radically different creative vision. And even just the, the technology used to make them can feel different, right? The use of CG in this movie is way different than the use of CG in Rebuild One, right? Um, and again, for a long time, especially after watching 
I, I I liked the third movie a lot, but it took me a long time to get to a place of liking it a lot. The third movie has so much action in in such an off-putting proportion that I think it was easy to sort of look at that movie and go, oh, Anno maybe lost the plot. He's losing the spirit of Evangelion. Evangelion is about being depressed, right? And I think that this movie has more access to the idea that like, no, man, Evangelion is just the style, right? Like sometimes it's about being depressed or having low self-esteem, but it's also about a certain style of action, right? That even when you're doing a big, dumb, ridiculous action thing, it's done with a particular pretense and with a particular stylistic ambition that even though it's not some introspective Freudian, you know, soliloquy about something or other, you still recognize it as Evangelion because it's psychedelic in that way. And I do think this movie has a lot of that. I think it gets both ends of the spectrum. It gets the heady end of Evangelion and it gets the the loud and colorful and religious part of Evangelion. And I don't know, I'm I'm kind of glad that these movies in a way, don't really feel like the Evangelion that I grew up with did. I almost feel like it would be a bit more depressing if they felt like that, right? Because I already watched Evangelion when I was a kid. And these movies are so different. And they're off-putting, but they're off-putting with like a real ambition about how can you use these characters that you have established feelings about? How can you use all of this imagery and all of this vernacular, and employ it to something new. And I think, that, I don't know, I think this movie does that pretty well. I mean, I also, I mean, like like I said, like I enjoyed, like, I enjoyed it, like, as a footnote, especially knowing, like, the, 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 the struggles with production and, like, Anno himself, and also just having the third of the reveal movies have been like just as depressing as it was. Uh, this does, I mean, like I do think that this, this movie accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish, but if you are listening and disagree, you know, you can, you can email us at sound only pod at gmail.com, you know, or if you would actually, you know what, here's what you should do is you should email us, about all the questions that you have about Evangelion and about other stuff, and perhaps yeah, like we'll maybe answer. we'll do a mailbag. Yeah, we could do maybe a sort of, we'll because do again, something like a mailbag episode because we covered the original series right in our formative episodes. We covered the original movie, but here it's not like we've done an episode for each of. Uh, like I, I, I went on the Human Instrumentality podcast recently and talked about the third movie. Right. And they've done a series where they've talked about each movie individually. We haven't done that. This is the, you know, this last movie is the first of the rebuild movies that we're talking about. And I didn't think it made sense for us necessarily to go and be like, okay, let's do four episodes covering each movie to catch up to this moment. So maybe instead, what we could do is we will field your questions, listeners, soundonlypod at gmail.com. They can be about Ava in general, but also just know that we want to talk about the rebuild movies some more. Um, especially because, like, man, I think of when I first watched Ava, which probably would have been what, like 2001? It's probably when I first, 2000 or 2001 when I first watched it. Watched it. Well, let me take it again. 2001 when I first watched it. Um, 
there was a lot of it's by no means was the discourse around that show settled, but there was a lot there was a lot to work with in terms of the ways people talked about that show and critical discourse on the internet. Whereas I feel like the rebuild movies are actually pretty open-ended. I feel like people are still trying to wrap their head around what these movies were, uh, how they relate to the rest of the franchise, and even just how much people like them uh, individually and in general. Uh, so it feels like a lot of the critical consensus and a lot of the ideas that people have about Rebuild are up in the air. So I just, yeah, specifically, if people want to email us about Rebuild, their experience with these movies, please do. We can unpack them in a mailbag episode. So please specify whether you want us to read your name on the air or anything like that uh, when you do email us with questions. Um. Can I just clarify, like, I don't want to do like a, you know, winners and losers type thing. But I do want to say that when I think through what I liked about this movie and what I didn't like so much about this movie, it really did come down to characters I thought the movie did right by and characters I didn't ultimately think that these movies did right by. I ultimately feel like I got to the end of this movie and did not get Masato still. I, I feel like she's doing like a heel turn per movie. And I, I just, I, I miss the old Masato. Um, who else? I mean, Fiyutsuki. Fiyutsuki used to have way more swag. He used to be playing Sudoku with his feet in the ice tired, bucket. Man. He's been doing this shit for 14 years. He really years. did. He, he says like it at one point. He's just like, he has the Danny Glover voice when he's talking to Mari at the end of the movie. He's just like, I'm too old for this shit. This is crazy. Y'all out your mind. And all the lights go out in the room and he ain't even doing anything. He's just like, I'm going to stay here. I hope this is my last scene in this movie. Um, but all the Kinsuke stuff, the Asuka stuff, the Ray stuff, the Shinji stuff. Um, you had Sakura out here shooting people for no reason. I loved all that stuff. I loved it. Um, yeah, man. It was a, it was a, it's, a, it's a good hang. It's a, which is yo, a crazy this is a thing slow to say movie. About that's the thing. It's like so slow, right? Like that's the thing. It's such a slow movie. It is so uncharacteristic of so much Ava stuff, but it is a good ass hang, is what I thought of this movie. Listeners, email us. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Mike Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson, who is Googling countless terms. We didn't even bother unpacking like half the lore just because I don't want to get bogged down in it. We can talk more about it if people really want us to unpack specific things about the six new yeah, kinds of plants. Yeah, don't talk too much about it though. Yeah, if we find it germane to the general concern of understanding Evangelion, we will discuss and discourse. Uh, but otherwise, you know, we kept it tight. We'll talk about it some more though next episode. Sound only. We will see y'all next week.